Welcome to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, Joel and I continue discussing the book, The Character Gap by Christian Miller. We spend the podcast largely focused on a question from the interview with Dr. Miller on how the fulfillment of desire might relate to a flourishing life and a virtuous character. We usually think that getting our desires fulfilled is a sort of payment for being virtuous. And this view, which sees desires as aimed only at states of affairs, leads to two very serious problems. We discuss these problems and how we should perhaps change our view of what it means to have our desires fulfilled, and in turn, how that relates to developing a virtuous character. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Check out, check out tacticalfaith.com for information on Tactical Faith, ways to contact or support us, and even some blogs and upcoming events. You can contact me and Joel directly by email, wondering at tacticalfaith.com, or you can tweet us at Wondering Wisdom. In both of those cases, there's an underscore where the A or the O would be in Wondering. Enjoy. If you remember last week, we started talking about um, the book, The Character Gap by Dr. Christian Miller. Um, two weeks ago, Dr. Miller was on the podcast, interviewed by Travis and uh, also by Matt of Tactical Faith uh, Radio fame. And we obviously think this book is worthwhile because we're doing another podcast on it and there's a good chance this won't be our last one on it. One of the things that we talked about in the last podcast was a question that Travis posed to Dr. Miller uh, about character improvement and the connection with desires and desire fulfillment. And um, we we kind of went on a tangent to, to help set things up for that question a little more. And we spent a lot of time talking about the idea of wh- why do we want to be good? Why would we want to be good? What what does it mean to flourish? Questions like that. And we talked a lot about chapter two in the book, and we're not going to you know go chapter by chapter through the book and lay everything out because we want you to buy the book and, and to check it out for yourself. In chapter two, we talked about how he's trying to convince people why they should care about their character. And, and you know, we, we mentioned that a lot of people who probably listen to this, uh, if you're listening to this, you probably do care about your character. So you're, you're saying, well, well, what can I do to make it better? What does it mean to be flourishing? What does it mean to be good? Travis and I have talked about this in previous podcasts, but I heard somewhere that uh, until you hear something seven or eight times, it doesn't actually stick with you. So revisiting this is is hopefully going to be helpful to you because I'm I know we haven't done it seven or eight times yet. And that's the question of, of desire. What is desire? What is desire fulfillment? Um what what does it mean to desire a good character? Uh, what does it mean for that desire to actually be fulfilled? Those are questions that a lot of people when they hear desire think one thing and we talked about this a little bit last time. When a lot of people think of desire, they're thinking about desiring a state of affairs and Travis and I hinted very strongly. I don't. I think we did more than hint, but we made it clear that we think that desire is not can be about state of affairs. But when we talk about desiring improvement of character, about flourishing, about uh, fulfillment, we're talking about something more than just attaining a state of affairs. We're just we're. It's not that we think that if we if we get to a place in life where we meet, you know, where, where X, Y, and Z has happened, then we have, fulfill, you know, reached fulfillment. We have reached flourishing. There's something more going on. That's what we want to get into today. What, what, what does, 
Uh, what role does do, do desires play in that? How are desires fulfilled? And um, what does it have to do with character? And we'll, we'll we'll go from there. But that's where we're starting today. So Travis, when someone talks about desire, what what do they mean by desire? Well, I think I think the most often the, the way that we use it most often is to talk about a state of affairs. So I'm hungry. I desire food. I acquire food. I'm no longer hungry, and I've I've sated my desire. But I think people are consistently in a state of, well, I mean, if they were paying attention to themselves, they would be consistently in a state of recognizing that the desire to eat is not, that living a life in which we fulfill these states of affair kinds of desires, that kind of life is not fulfilling. It's not a, it's not a flourishing life. I could have a life where I got, I received all the food I ever wanted to eat, I received every, you know, I had all the money I wanted, all the whatever kind of pleasures I want. Uh, and it would still feel like there's something missing. And the, the the question of flourishing connects with the idea of what what is it that we actually really, really want. And there, I think there are multiple ways to deal with this, but maybe one of the best ways of dealing with it is something like how we talked about last week. We started off talking about how uh, very often we have these desires and the fulfillment of one desire results in the aggravation or the frustration or disappointment of another desire. And so we're constantly in sort of a, a tension between our various desires and, and the kind of life we want to live. So maybe a flourishing life isn't one in which a, a particular state of affairs, well, there's two problems. One of them is our desires are at odds with one another. Joel, Joel talked about that. We brought up the whole idea of what it is, why do we want to be better? So our desires can be at odds with one another. The other thing is that even if you were to get to receive everything that you wanted, to have all your desires fulfilled, you would still go through this, this when we're talking about states of affairs, you go through the Schopenhauerian, the, Schopenhauer's idea of the problem of evil. And that is the desire for something you don't have is a pain. And then having received it and having your your appetite satiated, your desire gone, is itself a kind of suffering. In fact, uh, some forms of depression and and so forth are connected with the idea of just lack of desire. I just have no desire, uh, of a feeling of emptiness. And so there's there's the pain of not having something, and then there's the emptiness that comes after having received it. Those are all connected with states of a states of affair. A focus on desires that sees the fulfillment of desire as the acquisition of a state of affairs. I think that's how most people talk about it, but we kind of went over that last week. There has to be a better way that it, that that needs to do. I think it needs to offer a solution to these two problems. The first problem is that our desires are at odds with one another. When we're in a state where our desires are at odds with other desires, then we are a fragmented, disintegrated person, and this this is a form of suffering and evil. The other problem is the problem of satiation. The, I'll just call it the Schopenhauer problem of evil. <clears throat> I'm hungry. That's suffering. I eat, and I no longer have desire. That's suffering. And so those two, I think we need a, a, an understanding of desire. If, if we're going to connect flourishing with the fulfillment of desire— we need to be able to solve those two problems. Solving these two problems may 
um, may not be apparent how we're going to do that. You you might be f- tracking with us and say, yeah, I, I see what they're saying. I, th- there, there does seem to be something more, but what is it? And one way to, I think one, one good way to think of this is what you mean when you say you desire friendship with another person or, or, or relationship with another person. This, this isn't, when you say you desire friendship with someone, you don't get to a point where you're like, okay, well, let me rephrase that. If you're not a bit of a sociopath, you don't get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm friends with this person. Okay. Move on to the next thing. Um, but there's something in friendship, in relationships in general, that is a continual ongoing activity that the state of affairs, uh, is, that, there, that no single state of affairs can fully capture. Um, when I'm friends with someone, the, there's an interest, there's a desire to uh, continue to know the person more, uh, to... Uh, to work towards uh, improving ourselves uh, as friends, to um, to bring out the best in each other, and those are not things that a single event or even a series of events uh, or a limited series of events can fully capture. Uh, there's something, and, and and we we could say, well, I want this person to feel this way about me, or I want, uh, this activity to occur. You know, I, we, you know, I want to find someone that, um, will share a pizza with me at 11 o'clock at night and someone that will get matching tattoos or I, I don't know. We, we could come up with all kinds of crazy things. Don't tell them Um, all the stuff we've been doing, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) But at, at the end of the day, what, what's really going on is you, you want that friend. That friend is, is what you ultimately desire. And there's no state of affairs that can fully capture either that person or the relationship you share with that person. Uh, there's more going on than just the state of affairs. And when you when you do become friends with them, it's not like it's something that you stop doing. That that having become friends continues that that movement, that activity. Um, so that that's one example of desire for something that isn't fully captured by a state of affairs. The thing about a friend is a friend is someone that you live, not live with in the same house necessarily, but you, you pass through life with this person. And so a friendship captures so if you're looking for a friendship for a particular form of uh, some kind of like you want you want someone who will make you laugh. Well, there's a lot easier ways to get that. You just, I don't know, watch a comedy or go see a comedian or something like that. You don't you don't want someone that just makes you laugh. That's just one thing about the friendship that you're looking. You're actually looking for a whole kind of cloud of things, that, you know, that that make up a friendship. And so one of the elements of a, of a friendship is that, that it's, 
it's an ongoing thing. It captures a large part of our desire, a large collection of our desires, our desire to not be alone, our desire to laugh with people, our desire to, 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 or, you know, to laugh, our desire, if, if it's a romantic relationship, our desire for that kind of attraction and the, and the stuff that comes along with that, there, uh, someone, someone that you can share your worries with and so on and so forth. But if you ever reduce the friendship to one of those kinds of benefits, then you're in, you're not in a friendship. You're in some sort of business contractual relationship, right? So or, the or, most or obvious one. You, go ahead. Or even if, if even if you reduce the, the relationship to those those things, you know, mm-hmm. those that, that collection of desires, you 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 still lost something that yes. that is is not captured by those desires or the fulfillment of those desires. Yes, it's almost like so so part of what we're trying to talk here there's actually there's actually two elements here. First of all, you're not looking for a state of affairs. A particular state of affairs in a friendship. What you're looking for is a doing together. Something like that. It's something like yep. that. The the doing yep. and the experiencing of life together. Uh, I hesitate with the word experiencing even though it's a part of it, but it's sort of like this this activity where we do stuff together. Uh, the other thing, the other thing, which we we I kind of hinting at in in terms of like the the reason why a friendship is different than I don't know getting a new a new car or whatever is that getting a new car you just you acquire the car and you have a car and you use it for the things you use it for, but getting a friend or having a friend is such a it's so much more meaningful because it captures so many different elements of our of our desires, not one or two, but it captures a whole bunch of them. Because it encompasses a large part of our life. That's what I mean by the fact that we're we're living together. So, so you see, a friendship, a good friendship, actually captured, actually deals with these two different elements of desires. It deals with the problem of our desires being uh, well. It deals with it. Let me start with that. The Schopenhauer and prob- problem of evil. It deals with that because you're never satisfied with a friendship, right? There's there's always there's always more to be doing. And part of the part of the reason is is because it's a doing, not a getting. If my friendship is about getting something from someone, then that's not. First of all, it's not a friendship, and second of all, it will lead to that sort of that sort of suffering, um, that, that sort of emptiness. So I, I I'm excited about you know acquiring something from this person. I acquire it, and now I'm I'm sated, and I'm you know I'm l- bored now or whatever. And you can think of a relationship that's like that. I don't know if I should get into details, but there are quote unquote uh, short term uh, transactional friendships that result in such things. The the other element, so that deals with the Schopenhauerian problem of evil where where you're you desire something, you're hungry for it, then you get it and you're sated, you're you're filled and you're and because you're full, you don't have that desire anymore. You're actually kind of empty because you don't have a desire anymore. Both of those are a kind of suffering. The so it deals with that element because it's an ongoing doing together, but it also deals with the with the fragmentation of our desires because a friendship, a, a good friendship, uh, will capture up a whole bunch of our desires and it'll be involved in that because a good friend isn't someone who shares one interest with you or something like that. They're a person that you begin to share a life with. You share a lot of interests. You don't uh, you don't just go to them because you know I don't know you like to you like to eat at McDonald's. Uh, off the dollar menu and so do they and so you get together to eat off the dollar menu but other than that you disagree and you don't like anything else together and you have nothing to do with each other that would be a strange relationship no it's worth saying that that could be the start of a relationship yeah yeah but but yeah if if that is the 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 uh 
actuality of the relationship that there's nothing more and there's no uh, movement of anything more than that that is going to uh, be a unfulfilling relationship to say the least yes uh well it might be filling but it won't be fulfilling Ah. what we're trying to get at here is that there are a set of desires uh manifested in particular kinds of meaningful things i mean we haven't shown any other examples of meaningful things but i think there are but one of them is friendship you already get the sense that the elements of friendship that we talked about are part of what make friendship so so meaningful to us and so so important to the human life and yet seeming to have no clear practical benefit right it'd be more it'd be better for me to have business connections than friendship connections if i'm looking to i don't know be successful in the world or something even though we we've actually shown that that's kind of not true right uh, in fact that's part of part of uh miller's argument in the book is you know, acting virtuously in certain kinds of relationships and so on and so forth does, in fact, bring about benefits that you consider success in the world and so on and so forth. The point that we're trying to make is that this kind of desire that overcomes the Schopenhauerian problem of evil and the problem of the fragmentation of desires, these things are closely connected with what we would consider a flourishing life. So the example of a friendship is it would be hard to to imagine a person who is flourishing who has no friends. I mean, you look at some of the two of the, you know, perhaps greatest people ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus and Socrates. Joel thought I was going to say Joel and Travis, but, but <laughs> you know, Jesus, even Jesus had friends, right? He was rejected by a lot of people, but he had friends. Now they kind of, you know, at the, you know, before, right before he's crucified, a lot of them sort of just ran off. And Socrates was also killed by the people he loved, but he was surrounded by friends. So friendship seems to be an essential element. And part of the reason why is because friendship is the experience of the fulfillment of a desire that is never quite fulfilled. It's an ongoing doing together and it collects all these things. So that's that's a whole bunch of information. Now, we've only talked about friendship. And if we were to pull out Talbot Brewer's book, The Retrieval of Ethics, which we've mentioned over and over again, it's basically the Bible to us. (laughs) <laughs> not exactly but but we like that book a lot if if you've the, been the paying, bible of ethics yeah if you've been paying attention all at all you understand that we like that book but if you were to pull that out you see you see other kinds of endeavors so he considers the pursuit of virtue one of these sorts of things so strangely enough we're talking about the issue of character and is character is character achieved by the fulfillment of desire I mean, I think most of us would say, obviously, no. And that's how Dr. Miller responded to the question, because I I believe he was referring to it in terms of this, in the way that we normally talk about desire fulfillment, states of affairs uh, being acquired. But Brewer's view is that even the pursuit of virtue is a kind of fulfillment of desire, because it's an ongoing experience of moving forward toward a goal that is fulfilling on the way, but also never quite fulfills you. So you never have the Schopenhauerian problem of evil issue. In addition, the pursuit of virtue is an all-encompassing sort of pursuit. It's not, I'm going to stop trying to smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do, as the mm-hmm. uh, famous or infamous Jim Schwartz used to say. It's it's not about just overcoming a particular sin or so on and so forth. It's about a full development, a, a full reorientation of, of, the self, of, this, of the, yourself towards something. Brewer considers the study of philosophy, or really perhaps the study, the pursuit of any kind of academic knowledge. So people get get interested in all kinds of stuff, 
all kinds of pursuits. Uh, we have this guy in our church who who gets shoes and paints them, and he does a really really good job at it. It's really really neat. Uh, hobbies like that that are that are sort of artistic and they connect with different things. Like I mean, he, you know, he does all kinds of things related to nostalgia and art and you know pop culture, whatever. Uh, in relation to these shoes, it's sort of a, it's a weird hobby. You think something sort of a foot with this guy. I'll give a second for that joke to, to, to hit. Okay. I, I, I wasn't even going to groan at that one. You weren't going to, yeah, you didn't, you had no, the problem is people don't just don't have understanding of that joke. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going until I get, until I get, you know, censored. But you know, you look at these sorts of things. These are the kinds of things that kind of give, a sense of fulfillment and so on and so forth, because there's always, a, always further to go. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. Uh, we're already getting sort of long on, not long on time, but I'm, run, I'm running us out of time. So here, g- given all that, hopefully that's all, that all kind of follows. And we understand that it, there's, there aren't just, it isn't just about friendship. It isn't just about pursuit of virtue, but there's a whole bunch of different ways that perhaps each individual, each individual finds this kind of fulfillment. Uh, the thing is, the fulfillment isn't found in acquiring a state of affairs that fulfills one of your desires. It's something that must encompass the whole person. And I think even we could even talk about issues of identity and so forth. I think our identity is wrapped up in that sort of thing. We tend to our society has become very adept at identifying ourselves in accordance with one particular kind of characteristic or desire that we have. And that seems a problem because it's re- I think it's really it's probably related and eh, I'm kind of going off in my own weird world here, but I think it's partly related to the idea that the fulfillment of desires in terms of states of affairs is what makes me what I am. That's a really bad truncated view of a human being, I think. Uh, and it's bound to lead to, to emptiness. So, so given this idea of desire, uh, we could argue that desire fulfillment is in fact what flourishing is. One one thing we have not said about desire that is worth saying, it's kind of obvious, but I, I think we need to get this on the table, is a, you desire something that you think to be good. That if you don't think it to be good, you don't desire it. Um, and so if if you look at, a, at, at someone and... and you're like, mm, I don't think they'd be a good friend, or you you know you don't you don't think that that it would be a good thing to be friends with that person. That's not going to be something you desire. If you look at some sort of academic study, and you're like, I don't think that's very good. You're not going to desire to to study it. Um, you know, we could keep going with with this, but the the idea is there's a goodness that you perceive when you desire something. And when we talk about these sort of ongoing uh, desires that cannot be fulfilled with the state of affairs, one thing that they all share in common is that they, they do something to what we perceive as good, that all of them are going to shape the way we see the world in one way or another. When you're friends with someone, you're no longer looking at the world through just your own subjective experience. But if if it's a true friendship, then you're participating in the life of each other in a a way that you start to see the world the way that your friend sees the the world. You you influence each other in that way. Uh, When you you 
study philosophy or stu study something. It changes the way you see the world and it changes what you value in the world. And, and this is the same thing with character. The more you grow in character, it's going to change the way you see the world. It's going to change what you value in the world. And, 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 and we, we, need to, we need to be very clear here. When we, say, when we say see the good or value or think it good or whatever, we don't mean, because there are a lot of people who do horrible things that they would say they believe are bad, but they'd strongly desire to do it. And so what we mean by see it as good is we mean you, in fact, see it as good. You see a good thing as good and you see a bad thing as bad. We have been trained from childhood, particularly in the church, to call things evil that we in fact strongly desire and see as good. And so you can hear, you know, I don't know, uh, you could give you could give lots of examples of this. When we say you see it as good or whatever, it seems like the goal, at least the goal in terms of character development and here we're sort of skipping to the end a little bit, but you started it, so also I'm so it's your fault. But yep. the idea is that you begin to see the good as good, and, and so you begin to desire it. And you see the bad as bad, or you see it. I mean, Plato put the words, put the beautiful and the good, capital B, capital G, as the same thing. And so to see the good as the beautiful is the right way to see it. And beautiful brings this idea of desire. Good has a ten we tend to see we tend to see good in terms of a law that's the right thing to do, but we hate to do it. Just like a sophist, and so forth. Uh, we've gone through that. And we tend to see the sinful as really, really neat, and I really, really want that, but I shouldn't because it'll ruin my retirement. So uh, retirement being, you know, the resurrection. Uh, but what we're talking about is actually seeing, seeing it. That's what you're and, saying. Yeah. And, and not just, it's not that everything breaks down into good or bad, but that, that there's an ordering of things. We, it's not that we're saying that, you know, we can be in a situation where we have two good things before us and valuing one over the other, having it ordered rightly means that we recognize that the greater good is the good that we should should be desiring. So for instance, if I have this good in my life that I'm trying to become a healthier person and there's also the good in my life of ice cream in my freezer. And there are, there are situations uh, of celebration. For instance, my, one of my sons is, is uh, celebrating a birthday in a couple weeks. So for his birthday, completely appropriate for me to value eating ice cream as a celebration of his birthday uh, in a way that uh, is not at odds with my desire to be healthy. But, you know, if, if, if it's just late at evening, I'm, I've got the munchies, I go and get some ice cream when I'm trying to be healthier, that, that is inverting the goodness, the order of, of goodness and value of those things. And, and so it's not just that these these uh, desires, the, these desires for flourishing, for fulfillment, these great, I, I don't know if we want to call them, you know, bigger desires or however we want to categorize them. These not just help us see what is good, but to understand the ordering of the good. The, they, they fundamentally shape what we value and how we value it. How do we establish order that? Because eating ice cream isn't bad. In fact, eating ice cream in the evening isn't wrong. What makes it 
What makes it bad or less good? What makes it bad or less good is that if my desires are ordered correctly, uh, and and in say at this point in my life, trying to be healthier is is an important thing that I'm I'm valuing, then my desire for eat, to eat ice cream will not be an every night kind of thing. It'll be a once in a while, or or like I said, you know, when there's some some sort of celebratory event that ice cream plays a part in partaking of it then is 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 a good thing um but it's understanding that that the good of ice cream is not um does not guide our life more than the good of desiring to be healthy the idea is that these these individual goods that involve uh, the fulfillment of desire, the, the a state of affairs that fulfills a desire. Like I desire to have ice cream. I'm eating ice cream. It's not wrong to desire a particular state of affairs. What's wrong is when the desire for particular states of affairs overwhelms the ongoing desire. So yes. that because uh, a desire for health is kind of an un like it's not that you desire to be healthy and then as soon as you hit healthy you're going to not concern yourself with it. The desire well... to be healthy. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe you, but no, I mean, but the idea is that the desire to be healthy is actually a desire to be able to do activities with my children as they grow up, to be able to go do other, you know, do whatever, to be able to, to be able to walk around at a carnival, to be able to, you know, not suffer from some of the comorbidities that go along with the pandemic. You know, there's all of these sorts of things that, that, that come with being healthy, you know, being able to have, be alert and focused, to be able to sleep well and not have certain kinds of problems. There's... But it's often connected with a whole lifestyle of living a particular sort of way, right? Mm -hmm. So you and I are both runners. If anybody looked at us, they probably wouldn't believe that. But we're <laughs> both runners. And so one of the things we want to be able to do is keep running. And one of the reasons we run is to be healthy. And one of the reasons we want to be healthy is so we can run. It's kind of a, <laughs> it's a virtuous circle, you might call it. But the idea is that we, we tend to bow to states of affairs. We want the world to accommodate itself to us rather than become a particular kind of person. So the desire to be healthy is a desire to become a particular kind of person. The desire to to eat ice cream is, is a desire for the world to accommodate itself to my to my desire to eat a bunch of sugary stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. Creamy, sugary, cold, just yummy. Uh yeah. I, I know where all of us are uh, going after this podcast. <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> when we're talking about desire, I think this is what we want. This is what we uh, we want to focus on in terms of flourishing. And I think we can we could probably finish this up in another podcast. But this brings us to some points where uh, we want to reflect on some of the stuff, some of the limitations of the way. Christian Miller presents his material. I, he's trying to present it in a particular sort of way. And I mean, I, I think it's great how he does it. Uh, mm -hmm. But we want to try to, we want to try to, I guess, add a little bit here and develop a little bit there in ways that we, we do, because we're not trying to publish a book and we don't have to uh, answer it anyone. So we can do whatever we want. So <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to focus on, on some of the stuff he says uh, really in the second half of this or the, or the last third of the book, where it talks about character development. And I want to, we want to build off this idea of how desire of, of the nature of desire and what it means for desire to be 
fulfilled and the way that relates to flourishing and then talk about the various elements in, 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 in the rest of the book that are, that are really interesting. That's where we're going to go next time. We might be able to get it done in a podcast. It might take us a couple, but I think that's it. Joel, you have any last words? No. <laughs> you just did have one. All right. Well, on that note, Travis. I'm Joel. Have a great day and thanks for listening. Bye.